Hello, Sunshine. Welcome to another episode of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. This is Kristen Hildebrand, and I'm your host, and I'm very excited about this episode. Now, whenever I first started learning more about orchids, I thought that they were very hard to grow. The only time that I ever saw orchids was mainly whenever I visited arboretums. And so I just assumed that this plant wasn't even possible to grow in your home. But now I have learned that orchids have become very popular in the home and they make a wonderful addition as far as color to your home as well. And there's been a lot of varieties that have been improved. And so a lot of gardeners can actually grow orchids at home. So I'm excited to say that in this episode of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast, I called up Dr. Rick Durham, who is our University of Kentucky Extension Professor, as well as Consumer Horticulture Specialist, to have him answer common questions about how to properly care for orchids in the home. So to get the full scoop on showing orchid love in the home, stay right here for more on the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Welcome to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. This gardening show will equip and inspire avid gardeners with weekly tips and tricks to help them navigate the gardening world. The show will also highlight specific growing requirements for several plants so the sun will shine brighter over their Kentucky garden. And now, here is that ray of sunshine, garden enthusiast and horticulture extension agent, Kristen Hildebrand, with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. We're so excited to have on the podcast with us today is Dr. Rick Durham. He's the Extension Professor of Horticulture with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. And today we're actually talking about orchids. Tell us a little bit more about your experiences with growing orchids. Well, I think a lot of people who grow orchids, especially grow a lot of orchids, kind of have a story to tell. (laughs) My story actually began in high school. I was interested kind of in orchids, and there was a husband and wife in a town where I live, Stanford, Kentucky. She actually grew orchids. She would go on collecting trips in tropical areas and collect orchids. At that time, you could do that. So she had a couple of greenhouses, and she got me kind of turned on to orchids. I built a greenhouse. I grew orchids. I sold cut flowers like around uh, prom time and things. So unfortunately, when I went away to college, that kind of all disappeared, right? But then when I settled down here in Lexington, I think about 15 years ago, I started growing orchids again. And so I think now I probably have maybe 40 to 50 different orchids in my house. So I have a little sunroom that I grow orchids in as well. So I find it, it's a lot of fun. Well, I'm glad you shared that with us. And I didn't realize that you also had started that. I know I've heard you speak before on orchids and didn't realize that you had gotten introduced to orchids whenever you were in high school. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, I know that some people think that orchids are difficult to grow and several people may have obtained some of these plants over time, maybe if, you know, for Valentine's Day or for other occasions. So why don't you tell us specifically, I know there's a lot of different types. So can you elaborate more on the common orchid types for the home? Sure. So orchids are one of the largest plant families. They grow on all continents except Antarctica. So there are orchids that are very, very particular about their environment. 
But because it's such a large family and people have been growing orchids for a while, there have kind of a few that have come to the top as being very easy to grow, right? And so I, I would say that the most easiest orchid to grow is the Phalaenopsis or moth orchid. And that's the one that you commonly see at the grocery stores, at uh, garden centers, places like that. They have a big, broad leaves that kind of go to either side of the plant. They'll have a big spike of blooms, and that's where they get the name because it looks like uh, moths or butterflies kind of flying along the spike. And so they're very easy to grow. They like warmer conditions, so they do well in your household conditions. They don't have to have a lot of light, so having them next to a bright window is usually sufficient. And another good thing about them is that they will rebloom on the same bloom spike. So when the spike stops blooming, you don't necessarily cut it back all the way. You might, if it looks a little bit unsightly, you can cut it about back about halfway, but leave that spike there and it may branch and start another group of blooms and even have that group of blooms going and put up another spike as well. So they can really be in flower half the year very easily. Now, you said that that one's probably the most common or the the easiest. Probably when you go into a grocery store, um, what are some of the other types that you might find available? So occasionally, like especially in spring around the Easter season, you'll see these big grassy looking orchids. Uh, They're called cymbidiums. They also have a spike with many, many flowers on them. So the good thing about them is when they're in flower the flowers last for a long time, like three months easily. But the problem is, unlike the Phalaenopsis or moth orchid, they're a little bit harder to bring back into flower because they need cooler temperatures, like in the mid-50s or so, in order to initiate blooms. And they also have to have very high light, like almost direct sun, right? So, and it's kind of hard to get those two things together. So, I have had a plant or two of those in the past, but they've never done really well for me. I have rebloomed them successfully, but uh, they're just not as fluorous as some of the other orchids. Now, when you go to some arboretums that might have those specialty greenhouses where they can control the environment and temperature a little bit more, you probably can find a more vast collection of orchids available. Absolutely. Okay. But basically, you're saying the Phalaenopsis orchid is probably the easiest for a lot of homeowners to be able to keep happy. Right. Okay. Yeah. And there's another one. uh, It's called a dendrobium. The flowers look a lot like a phalaenopsis. The plants are usually a lot larger. They kind of grow. The plants produce these kind of canes. They're called pseudobulbs. They will do okay in the home. They're a more warm orchid like the phalaenopsis. They do require a little bit more light, but I'm pretty successful at getting those to rebloom as well. Another one that you might see is the Vonda orchid, V-A-N-D-A. Sometimes it is marketed growing in a glass pitcher, right? So the idea is there's no soil. It's just growing in the glass pitcher and you fill the pitcher with water like once or twice a week, let it set for 30 minutes and then you pour the water out, right? And so uh, I have one of those. Uh, it, it's actually graduated away from the pitcher because it got too big, but it flowers for me very well as, as well. It, again, it's a warm orchid, but it does need a lot of light as well. 
Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you elaborating on the different types of orchids. And it's probably uh, very good to say those like tags that actually say what your orchid sure. is. So that way that yeah. it'll help you be able to know how to take care of it. So as far as the care of keeping the orchids happy at home, can you elaborate more about the cultural requirements that we need for orchids like light and maybe the growing media and maybe the humidity also? Right. So, well, we talked about temperature for most of these orchids on the warmer side. So generally household temperatures, 65 to 70 at night, and then warmer in the daytime, especially if there's sunshine. Humidity, they do like higher than household humidity. And a couple of things you can do there, you can group a lot of plants together, which I don't have a problem doing because I have so many. And that kind of raises the humidity around the plants. Or you can set the plants in a tray and keep the tray filled with water. Right now, you don't want the plant sitting down in the water. So a couple of ways you can do that, you can put inverted saucers down and set the plants on top of the saucer so that the top of the saucer stays above the water. Or you can fill the tray with pebbles, right? And uh, set the, the plants on top of the pebbles. And so that keeps the plant pots elevated above the water and allows the water to evaporate and increase the humidity, right? So watering, I know a lot of people, you know, they want to know how often should I water a plant? And that's a very difficult question, right? Because it depends on how that plant is growing, how much water it needs. And so orchids, just like any other plant, you water them when they need to be watered, right? And you may eventually get kind of on a schedule so you know when to water. Like for me, I water about once a week and that seems to be fine. In the summer, I might water a little bit more often, but just stick your finger down into the medium. If it feels moist, you don't need to water. If it feels dry, then water thoroughly. If you've got that drainage, you know, that saucer under the plant, water it thoroughly. And then within maybe 30 to 60 minutes, pour out the excess water that's under that plant that the pot is still in contact with, right? So if that pot is in contact with that water for long periods of time, it keeps the growing medium saturated. That's not good for the plants. I know that they say that orchids are really prone to root rot issues. And a lot of times with houseplants, people do overwater and that kind of leads right. to that. And you think about orchids, the way they grow naturally, These all these orchids that we grow, they're called epiphytes. And that means upon a tree. So they literally grow hanging on the side of a tree. Their roots anchor them to the tree. They don't get any nourishment from the tree. They're not parasites, but they do have access to a lot of air movement around their roots. So the good thing when they're growing in a tropical rainforest, they're going to get watered once a day or once every couple of days. So water is not the problem. It's air that they need. And so not too much water for orchids. Now, this kind of relates to the water, but is there an ideal container for these specific types of orchids or is there one that works for all? Well, clay pots are great because clay pots are porous and they allow, you know, a little bit of air exchange. It's also heavy. And sometimes you get an orchid with a big spike of flowers. It tends to get kind of top heavy. And then I put some rocks around my pots to kind of keep them anchored. But plastic pots work well also because the thing about plastic pots is they usually have a lot more drainage holes in the bottom. And if they don't, it's easy to add more, you know, cutting open some holes and things. And so really, as long as there's good drainage at any pot will do. So 
That's good to know. I know you mentioned about some of them like it more humid and how you can provide that for the plants, but is there an ideal spot in the home? Because I think about maybe bathroom might be more humid than other places. Yeah, so I think it's a lot easier to boost that humidity than it is to boost the light, right? So I, I would look for what is the brightest window you have in the home. And so when you buy orchids, even the Phalaenopsis, the label often says, you know, avoid direct sun. But that was really written for somebody who was growing Phalaenopsis outside. So indoors, I don't have a problem growing Phalaenopsis. I grow my orchids mostly in a a southeast window. So they get really good morning sun. They're in direct sun and they don't have a problem with that. Sometimes I move my orchids outside during the summer and I'll put them on shade, you know, under shade. I think that the critical thing is light is what you need to select for first. And then if you have a bright bathroom, then sure, that's going to be more humid. But just by, you know, the tricks we talked about earlier, grouping the plants together or putting them on humidity trays or or even introducing a room humidifier in your orchid area can boost that humidity as well. As far as fertilizer goes, how often should we do that? Because we know we don't want to over-fertilize. So what's kind of your regimen that you use? I just use a a regular water-soluble fertilizer. You can buy orchid fertilizer, that's fine, or just some regular miracle Grow or Peter's kind of fertilizer that you would use on other applications. But I always apply it at half strength of what the label says, you know, so if it's going to call for a a tablespoon of fertilizer per gallon of water, I'll use a tablespoon per two gallons, right? I fertilize about once a month during the spring, summer, early fall. And then when it's darker outside, the winter months, I may be fertilized just once every two or three months, maybe just one time during the winter. And so fertilizing is kind of like watering. You use a good amount of the liquid fertilizer solution, let it flow through the pot. And then, you know, once it has drained, then remove that excess water, excess fertilizer water so that it doesn't sit there and and get drawn back up into the medium. That's good information to know, especially like you said, to back off some of the fertilizer, especially in the wintertime and use that half strength. One other question that I have on some of the care related to orchids is, have you had to repot? Because like you said, you've been growing for a long time. Have you ever had to do that with some of your collection? Absolutely. So with orchids, usually the potting mix will start to break down in a couple of years. So orchid mix is really light. It looks kind of like mulch, has a lot of bark in it. So it, it drains very well. But as it starts to break down, then it loses some of that ability to drain. It holds too much water. And so if you see that the pots are staying wetter longer, then it may be time to repot. All orchids will produce these aerial roots, which are totally normal. Um, but like the Phalaenopsis that we talked about, they grow from a single stem and the stem gets getting longer and longer, and they produce roots, you know, at the base of the stem where the older leaves fall off. And so after a while, it seems like you've got so many roots at the base of the orchid. So that would be a good opportunity to repot as well. Just uproot that plant. You might cut off some of the older part of the stem, and you can put some of those roots down in the medium. Try not to break them, you know, as you're doing that. But it it really is, it's not a problem for the roots to be exposed. So that's the way orchids grow naturally, you know, on trees with their roots exposed. And that's 
really kind of a sign of health to see all those roots exposed. I'm glad you mentioned that about the roots because mostly, you know, with uh, any kind of houseplants, we want to make sure that the roots aren't exposed, but it's a little bit different, like you said, with it being an epiphyte. Now, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about is, do you have to train your orchids on something to keep them from falling over or anything like that? So the Phalaenopsis, generally not. There's some other ones that kind of grow. If you think about, you know, the natural habit of some of these plants is to grow on the side of a tree, then they don't lend themselves very well to growing in a pot. So you might get like a big slab of uh, tree bark or something and anchor them to that. But the Phalaenopsis grow pretty well in pots. With the bloom spikes, if you don't train the bloom spike (laughs) to grow upright, it will kind of flop over and just, you know, grow however it wants to. So as I see a bloom spike starting, I usually put a stake in the pot and then just anchor the spike to the stake so it grows more upright. And it will naturally grow kind of as an arc as it gets taller and be real attractive that way. Okay, that's good to know as well. Is there any other advice that you can give us or maybe things that you've run into since you've been growing orchids? For a long time, I had no insect issues with my orchids at all. A lot of my orchids come from the discount bins at the grocery stores or at the home uh, stores and things. That's kind of fun to see if you can kind of resurrect that plant and get it to grow. But uh, I got some orchids with a swap one time. And unbeknownst to me, you know, some of those orchids that someone gave me had scale. So it's been a really hard time getting rid of that scale. So one of the reasons I take my orchids outside during the summer is it gives me an opportunity to apply some pesticides, either organic or inorganic, but you know things I wouldn't normally apply in the house. I can apply those outside and then wait a while and bring the orchids in in a few weeks and, and not worry about that. So generally speaking, insects and diseases are not a big problem, but if you do get them, you just kind of have to use a, an alcohol swab to get off a few things. But if you get a big infestation, you may have to do what I did and take them outside and, you know, spray them down and, or just sacrifice them and wait a while and, and start your collection anew, right? So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, do you have to clean your leaves every so often? I know that's probably more of a grooming type care. You can. I don't find orchid plants to be all that attractive. <laughs> and so I don't worry a whole lot about the looks of the plant. If they get really dusty, I'll spray them off or something like that. But uh, I don't usually give them very much care in terms of hygiene to the plant. Yeah, I know orchids, they might not, you know, some people like maybe take them to a show and, you know, want to judge and that kind of thing. And it's different. Like you said, orchids are different from other houseplants too. Now, if somebody wanted to know more information about maybe what's needed for orchids, do you have any good uh, references or resources that they could check out? I do. I think one of the best places they can go is to the American Orchid Society webpage. It's just www.aos.org. It is a, a membership society, but they have a lot of free information there as well. So, you know, if you really get the orchid bug and decide to get more involved in orchid growing, that's a great place to do that. They have regional chapters as well. But then if you're not interested in joining their society, there is a lot of fact sheets and things there that you can get that are free. So, 
Well, uh, Dr. Durham, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us on the podcast about growing and caring for orchids. And just one last final question. Do you have a favorite amongst your collection of orchids? Well, I have, but I didn't talk about these, but there's a group of orchids called the Oncidiums. Their common name is Dancing Ladies. And they're one of the ones that they tend to grow more upright. So you almost have to anchor them to like a a totem or a a piece of bark or something. But I really like them. They have really vibrant colored flowers. They're easy to propagate. They do like a lot of light. And some of them like some cooler temperatures in order to set flower. But yeah, that's that's kind of my favorite ones is the Oncidiums and Oncidium hybrids. So Oncidiums. Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast with us today. I know we'll have to ask you back in the future. Okay, thanks. I'd love to join. I hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on showing orchid love in the home. Special thank you to Dr. Rick Durham for being our guest on the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. To view the show notes for episode 21, make sure to visit me on the blog at Warren County Agriculture. You can find us by going to www.warrencountyagriculture.com. Now, if you enjoy listening to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast, I would love it if you would take a quick minute of your time to leave a review for me on Apple Podcast. Leaving a review is super simple. Just pop open that purple app on your phone, share your biggest takeaway from an episode or what you would like to hear featured in the future. Thanks for listening, gardeners. As always, keep digging into gardening and remember to add a little sunshine. Thanks for listening to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast with Kristen Hildebrand. If you enjoyed today's content, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to catch future segments of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Gardeners, keep on digging and learning more about gardening so the sun shines brighter over your Kentucky garden. The Sunshine Gardening Podcasts with Kristen Hildebrand is a production of the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service.